Welcome to LDS Real People Real Life's podcast. We are back here in 2022 for a brand new year. This is Stephanie Colvin. I am your host coming to you from Southern California here in Ventura. And thanks for joining us. And if you're new, welcome. kind of focusing on um, LGBTQ issues lately, and it's just been on my mind. I don't know if that's because I live in California and it's very, uh, you know, prevalent here. Um, If it's because I'm LDS and I'm part of a church that uh, we're really focusing on that and how to uh, unify and and be inclusive. Um, Whatever the case may be, there's a focus on uh, the LGBTQ community um, and my mind and the spirit just keeps impressing it upon me. So I just felt like there's got to be people that are listening and tuning into the podcast that are going to their favorite, um, you know, podcast platform and uh, coming to LDS Real People Real Lives and looking for edification, for hope um, that has to do with this particular topic. So there's so many different perspectives from being the person that has the LGBTQ, um, you know, that falls within that community to being a family member of somebody who um, it belongs to that community to being a part of their life in some way, fashion or form. So because there's so many different defined relationships and ways that we can be attached to people who um, are part of this community, I am going to just cover what I feel spiritually impressed to cover in hopes of helping all of us to um, be a part of that umbrella of unity and inclusivity, to uh, understand maybe a little bit more, uh, to be willing to lead out with faith and not fear when we look to have conversations, to include them, to um, make them a part of our ward families, and our church families. Um, Growing up, the only way that I can ever try to understand or relate is through my own personal experiences. And that's true for each of us. 
We all have our path to walk here that is unique and individual to us to bring out the ability uh, to give us the option of fulfill the measure of our creation. Uh, you know, we have been created by an all-knowing, omniscient, loving Heavenly Father, and we have great potential. But what do we do to reach that potential? Um, what are we learning? What are we doing? What are we praying for? How do we act on this? And uh, I think in these latter days, we need to, as a church, an organization, be really good at welcoming people from all walks of life because more and more as we approach the return of our Savior and Redeemer, Jesus Christ, we're going to have more and more people with very unique and singular challenges and trials and things that they're bearing, you know, their own personal uh, bitter cup that they may be holding for the rest of their lives and looking to endure it. Um, we've talked on this podcast before about how our trials are for a time. Um, they can be quick, they can be long, and they can be lifetime. And there are reasons for this. It's part of the sanctification and refining process. So let's get into this. There was an episode that I did um, when I first started this podcast in uh, 2020. And I had talked a little bit about my own personal same-sex attraction issues, the the experiences that I had. A lot of mine stem from uh, abuse that happened to me as I was growing up. And I just was very, very confused uh, sexually, which is you know, normal from that type of abuse, being a victim of that abuse, um, not really knowing or understanding sexuality, what's the place for it, because during the time that those behavior patterns were set, you know, very different and weird things were were happening to me. And we are going to be covering very mature subjects today, so if you have little ears around, um, you know, here's your fair warning. I'm going to be very open and very direct, and uh, uh, I'm sure that there are some teenagers that uh, may be ready for this episode. And I, of course, uh, always defer to the parents, but just want to make sure that you understand we are going to be talking about some very tough, very mature subjects. So because of the abuse, I experienced, um, I was so confused. I was not one of those ones that had experiences in high school with, uh, you know, dating, um, going, you know, my first kiss or anything like that. I didn't do that because I was so, I knew I was weird in my mind. I knew I was different in the way that I looked at uh, intimacy, uh, being a teenager and uh, I only picked up on that because of my peers and the things that they would say, how they would talk, um, their relationships with boys or girls, whatever the case may be. And uh, I just knew that I was different. Um, there were times in school, in high school, that I would have been maybe attracted to somebody or a friend. Um, but I didn't really, again, understand what that meant or what it was and the consequences of it all. I just knew that I had a very weird perspective about dating and intimacy and chastity um, because I wasn't, I was taught the gospel growing up. Unfortunately, my abuser got to me before we actually 
got to those topics and was got to me during the time when my brain was being formed. And so a lot of these things were skewed in my mind. And this is just my story and how I relate with the LGBTQ community. Um, I don't know if I was born with it or if it was just this experience that kind of um, was the catalyst to having maybe same-sex attraction. Um, but I did deal with these issues through high school and after high school. Um, and I spent some time looking and trying to figure it out. Even being raised in the church. I think we all are taught, even if you're born and raised in the church, the, the basics and the principles of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. But there comes a time in our lives where it's the quote unquote come to Jesus talk or the, you know, put up, shut up kind of moment when you're deciding who you want to be. What choices are you going to make that's going to reflect who you want to be? And um, thankfully, when I had an experience when I was about 17 or 18, I had already graduated and been out of high school for about a year. Um, I had a brief fling with a uh, woman and uh, she was very young. I was young. And um, thankfully, in that experience, I figured out where my desires are, what I want my life to look at to, or to look like, and what kind of life I want to have. Um, and that helped me, that relationship that was very short, it was a few months, helped me to really dial it in and decide um, who I am attracted to and what kind of life I want to have, which was I wanted to be married and I wanted to have children. And if the stars aligned, I wanted to be married to somebody that was in the church that held the priesthood. And yet here I was, this very broken, broken girl from multiple abuse situations and I didn't know how that was ever going to happen for me. I thought it was so far off and unachievable for someone like me who had been abused her entire life. But um, as you grow and you mature, you, you realize more and more that, yeah, there was, some, there was a lot of bad that happened in my life and maybe yours. But there was also a lot of good. And oftentimes... There was a lot of good that came out of the bad. And thankfully, that's how it worked for me, is through these terrible moments in my life, it really helped me to dial in my liahona, my compass of who I wanted to serve. But my personality being what it is, is I needed a partner and Looking back, hindsight being 2020, I'm 49 years old now, I can see how my personality is someone that I needed a partner who was going to be a rock and the gospel who would help anchor me. And the way I see that vividly in my mind is my husband who is entrenched in the stone and granite of faith. And he is, he's got me right next to him and I'm entrenched, and we're standing next to each other, and we hold fast to one another. 
Um, we can feel each other's heat. He's holding my hand. I'm holding his. And we're united in our faith. We're anchored in that unification of our faith. Um, it was a huge, tremendous mercy and blessing from Heavenly Father to bring my husband into my life who has a compass that only knows truth from lies. And that's it. There's no gray. It's black and white. So when he heard the gospel, he ran to it and he embraced it and he drank from it like a thirsty man that's been out in the desert and is about ready to die. This is my husband. This is my husband. It's who he is. And because of his fierceness and love for the gospel, for his fire, um, a lot of wonderful, miraculous blessings have happened to me in my conversion um, to help bring me along in my covenant path. And uh, just because we're married doesn't mean it's the same. It's still unique and singular to us. And then we have the path that we walk together. And that seems to be a fork in the road that comes together in one path is the way that I often see it. And I'm grateful for my husband. I'm grateful to finally have what the deepest desire of my heart was, was to be married to somebody who loves the gospel of Jesus Christ, who holds the priesthood and can leave our, lead our family in righteousness. And Father has blessed me with that. Is it in a perfect package? Some would say yes when they look at my husband. Um, he looks like he has it all together. I mean, he looks like um, he is Bruce Wayne. You know, he goes out and he's just killing it at life. Um, most people don't understand the storm that's going on behind those eyes in that beautiful mind of his. And... Um, it's that storm that's made my husband who he is today. It's that storm and that tempest, his bitter cup that he's enduring, that he's holding and enduring for the rest of his life and looking to the gospel for reprieve and peace that has made him who he is and exactly who I needed him to be. And I'm grateful for that. Um, so again, that's just how I can relate. There's so many different scenarios and situations. There was one uh, sister in the church who I really gravitated to uh, online. I learned so much from her and she uh, had so many um, trials and challenges and not just about her sexuality, about other things too. And um I was learning from so much from her, and unfortunately, she had a trial that was presented before her that was more than she could bear with last year's um, Elder Holland when he went and gave that talk at BYU. And uh, I'm not going to bring it back up in detail, but uh, there were a lot of people in the LGBTQ community that had a problem with that talk, and yet he didn't really address them directly or make it about them. It was more about the professors and the teachers is how I took it and how they need to stick to the teachings of the doctrine and principles of the gospel of Jesus Christ as found in the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. And that if we don't stick to the doctrine and principles, we're going to see a generation that's not going to be a righteous generation unto the Lord, and that's a problem. 
Um, and this particular sister, she just could not calm down. I mean, she was offended and it went from there. That offense turned to hurt, which turned to anger, which turned to her using a beautiful platform to bring people to Jesus Christ. Now to take away people, to lead people away from Jesus Christ. And, um, she decided to break the relationship off with me and I think, you know, and again, staying true to the premise of this podcast is being very real and open. It was hard for her. I, here I was trying to be so understanding and learning from her, but still at the same time being firm in the things that, uh, A, we know are eternal truths. B, my beliefs. I'm entitled to my beliefs. I'm entitled to live my God-given rights as I choose to believe that it's good for me and my family. And she just had the hardest time uh, being okay with the fact that I didn't agree with her, but I still had a deep amount of love and abiding respect for her and wanted our relationship to continue. But she just could not get over the fact that she, she wanted me to say that what she was doing was okay. And I just couldn't do that. There's plenty of people that tell me that what I'm doing is not okay. And believe you me, there's a lot of things I do in my life that are not celestial living. You know, it's just, it is the way it is. Um, There are plenty of people I'm surrounded by to remind me of this. And you know what? It keeps me humble. My family keeps me humble. Um, And we have to remember to always be teachable. But we stay and we stand steadfast to eternal truths that we're taught. Um, the gospel is never going to change. You're never going to see two women or two men in the temple taking out their covenants together. Uh, sometimes I see comments online of people who think that the church is changing and making those changes to fit the world today. And that's just not how the Lord works. He makes adjustments in his church based on the circumstances of his children because we belong to him and he loves us. He wants to give us every opportunity to make it to heaven, but there's got to be a line drawn. There's got to be a line drawn of morality and decency and laws. These laws are eternal and that's never going to change. And why? What's the focus of the gospel of Jesus Christ? It's the eternal family. So what sense does it make to have two women and two men together getting married and having children when in the plan of salvation, as we are taught very plainly and clearly that it is a man and a woman, this is how important gender is in the eternal perspective and their unification through marriage, being sealed together, being sealed to their children that can perpetuate the celestial kingdom. And that will never change. Robert D. Hells gave a talk called The Eternal Family. Um, this was from General Conference back in 1996. And uh, he says, From the earliest beginnings, God established the family and made it eternal. Adam and Eve were sealed in marriage for time and all eternity. And then we have Moses 5. Verse 59, and thus all things were confirmed unto Adam by an holy ordinance and the gospel preached and a decree sent forth that it should be in the world until the end thereof. And thus it was Moses five, two, 
And Adam knew his wife, and she bare unto him sons and daughters, and they began to multiply and to replenish the earth. This is the pattern that was set forth from heaven. And this is the pattern that we voted on before we came to earth at that great council. Even the Savior himself spoke of the sacred marriage covenant and promised when he gave the authority to his disciples to bind in heaven sacred covenants that are made here on earth. Matthew sixteen nineteen, the Lord says, And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. This is a latter-day promise that has been given to us of eternal families, and it was restored to us with Joseph Smith when the powers of the Melchizedek priesthood were restored to the earth in 1829. You know, Elijah the prophet returned to earth, and he gave us the keys. And this is the point and purpose as for us to multiply and replenish the earth so that more of God's children can come down and have this experience and prove themselves forthwith. That's why we're here is God needs to know that we're going to choose the right, that we're going to repent when we make a mistake, that we're going to be humble and meek. He needs to know that we're going to choose him with the restoration of the keys and priesthood authority comes the wonderful opportunity for all who are worthy to receive the blessings of eternal families. So we've got Doctrine and Covenant section 110 verse 9. Yea, the hearts of thousands and tens of thousands shall greatly rejoice in consequence of the blessings which shall be poured out and the endowment with which my servants have been endowed in this house. We have been made so many promises when we are obedient to the Lord. He blesses us greatly. The eternal nature of our body and our spirit is a question often pondered by those who live in mortality. All people who will ever live on earth are members of a human family and are eternal children of God, our loving Heavenly Father. This is an eternal truth. After birth and tasting of death and mortality, all will be resurrected because of the atonement of Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God the Father. And then, depending on our individual obedience to the laws, ordinances, and commandments of God, each mortal can have the blessing of attaining eternal life. And that's returning to live in the presence once again with our Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, having eternal increase for all the eternities to come. Heavenly Father has promised through our obedience that we can become like Him. This is what the gospel offers. You look around you in the world today and that's what kids want to become. Children want to become like their parents, the adults that they see. They want to be like us. Um, and so it's very important that we teach them right from wrong and these important truths that are found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, we have been charged with doing that. And then there will come a day that they will make that choice on their own. So how does this apply to LGBTQ, their issues and what they're going through? And what is the hope? The hope that is given as found in the plan of salvation and happiness is that there is always time. 
the atonement, which is infinite, given to us by our Savior, Jesus Christ, who came and gave us the greatest sacrifice of all, covers your struggles. All you must do is repent. And like I said prior, we have some issues and trials that are going to be for a short moment, maybe an hour or a day, maybe even a minute. We have others that are going to last for a short time, a year, five years, ten years. That's a short time when you're looking at the eternal perspective, which is what the gospel gives us. And then we have issues that we deal with for a lifetime. And I know I have my fair share, especially when it comes to the chastity issue. You're not alone. Just because I don't have same-sex attraction and LGBTQ issues doesn't mean that I don't have chastity issues. I, too, have to live the law of chastity in order to enter into the temple, in order to honor my covenants, in order to be received into exaltation in the celestial kingdom. We have the same standards, you and I. And we have similar struggles. But you're just not going to find someone who has walked the exact path that you have walked. And I just want to caution you. The biggest thing that I've learned as I've gotten older and matured is self-pity is an instrument of Lucifer. Self-pity is a rationalization, that process that happens to justify the things that we're doing. Self-pity tends to say it's okay. You know what? Things have been hard and it's okay and it's understandable. But what the gospel of Jesus Christ is asking us to do is to be accountable for the knowledge that we know. For what we've been taught, we have a responsibility, especially when we have been blessed With blessings come great responsibility. So we want to do the best that we can to live the laws as they're taught. And when we make a mistake, which we will, that is this probationary time is to make those mistakes. We have the atonement so we can repent. The atonement also provides a path and avenue to grace which is spiritual strength from God and Christ. I want to share 1 Nephi chapter 11, verse 17. And I said unto him, I know that he loveth his children. Nevertheless, I do not know the meaning of all things. I don't need to understand the meaning of all things to know that the greatest commandment given to us, which is to love one another, truly is the greatest commandment given to us. Really think if we practice that commandment, more often in our lives and in the things that we do, how our world would be different. What changes would there be because of that? Because we're focusing on loving one another instead of admonishing each other for the things that we're doing. I would like to share Alma chapter 7, verses 11 through 12. And he shall go forth suffering pains and afflictions and temptations of every kind. And this that the word might be fulfilled, which saith he will take upon him the pains and the sicknesses of his people. 
Christ knows your sufferings. He knows what you're going through. There's no better person to yoke yourself to, to share the burden of that trial than Jesus Christ. And he will take upon him death that he may loose the bands of death which bind his people. And he will take upon him their infirmities that his bowels may be filled with mercy according to the flesh. That he may know according to the flesh how to succor his people according to their infirmities. Are you laying hold upon the word? Are you being believing? It is through laying hold upon the word and being believing that these teachings become powerful and work in our lives. And then we have Doctrine and Covenants, section 62, verse 1. Behold and hearken, O ye elders of my church, saith the Lord your God, even Jesus Christ, your advocate, who knoweth the weakness of men, how to succor them who are tempted. Do you really think that God and Christ didn't know the prevalence of this particular challenge and trial in the latter days? And I'm sure that this isn't the only time on earth that this type of trial and challenge found in the LGBTQ community has been here on earth amongst God's children. This didn't catch God by surprise. His gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is found in his church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, truly is inclusive. It truly is for all. And we are meant to love one another. Judgment belongs with Heavenly Father. Okay? But there's righteous judgment where we decide for ourselves what's good for us and what's not good for us. And there are going to be some things that we're going to agree on and some things that we're not going to agree on. That doesn't mean that I still don't love you. That doesn't mean that um, we can't get along, that we can't be there for one another, that even in our differences... We can unite. It's in our differences that we become that beautiful quilt with all of the different textures and colors and talents and traits. We must become the quilt that reflects the beauty of Jesus Christ in this church. And we must let our LGBTQ brothers and sisters understand and know how much we love them. That this gospel is for them too. And their trials and their challenges, it's okay. Everybody feels excluded for something, from something in the gospel of Jesus Christ because we're not perfect. You're not alone. I might not have the same issue that you have, but you're not alone. I know what it's like to have parts of the gospel held from you because of trials and challenges that I face or you face. I understand. I really do. I think some things that we can do um, to help those that struggle with uh, same-sex gender attraction, you know, Elder Holland has been a huge, huge advocate for this community, which is even more interesting that they, um, you know, many of them got so upset with him. It's like, look at his history and his past and what he's said about LGBTQ and how he's advocated for them. And his, through his advocacy, he has helped many of them overcome struggles of wanting to uh, commit suicide, wanting to leave the church, wanting to abandon everything that they know. I mean, you've got to understand what it's like to 
be raised with a certain teaching, but then you have something that hits so close to home that you're struggling with and it just shakes your world and it makes you feel like all of a sudden you don't know anything. And that can be a very insecure, scary feeling. But what Elder Holland is teaching us is that just because we're struggling, the truths are still the truths and what we know and what the Holy Ghost has testified to our heart still is true. It has not changed. It has not changed at all. Elder Holland shares in this talk that he gave um, back in 2007, helping those who struggle with same gender attraction. He says, a pleasant young man in his early 20s sat across from me and he had an engaging smile. Although he didn't smile often during our talk, what drew me in was the pain in his eyes. The young man said, I don't know if I should remain a member of the church. I don't think I'm worthy. Why wouldn't you be worthy? I asked. This is Elder Holland asking him this question. He says, I'm gay. Elder Holland says, and? I guess this young man thought that Elder Holland would be startled by what he said. And instead, a flicker of relief crossed his face as he sensed Elder Holland's continued interest. The young man says, I'm not attracted to women. I'm attracted to men. I've tried to ignore those feelings or change them, but... And he sighed. Why am I this way? The feelings are very real. I have things like this in my life. I feel the same way. Why am I this way? The feelings are very real. And they don't line up with the gospel of Jesus Christ, yet I have never felt like there's not a place for me in this church. And if I have felt that way, it's because of my insecurities and my struggle to align my heart with the Lord. So going back to the story, Elder Holland says, I need a little more information before advising you. You see, same gender attraction is not a sin, but acting on those feelings is just as it would be with heterosexual feelings. Do you violate the law of chastity? And the young man said, no, I don't. You know, if you really think how many thoughts go through your mind throughout the day, I've heard an estimate 50, 60,000 thoughts per day. Are you going to try to hold yourself accountable for every thought that goes through your mind? Or is it more what you do with the thought that you're accountable for? So returning back to the story. Elder Holland says, relieved. Thank you for wanting to deal with this. It takes courage to talk about it. And I honor you for keeping yourself clean. As for why you feel as you do, I can't answer that question. A number of factors may be involved, and they can be as different as people are different. Some things, including the cause of your feelings, we may never know in this life. But knowing why you feel as you do isn't as important as knowing you have not transgressed. If your life is in harmony with the commandments, then you are worthy to serve in the church Enjoy full fellowship with the members, attend the temple, and receive all the blessings of the Savior's atonement. This is true, and this is to the young man and to us. Let me tell you another story. It's going to be a little bit different from the story of Elder Holland. I, we've been struggling financially for years now as we continue to pay for care for my father-in-law to the tune of thousands of dollars every month. Um, that doesn't include mortgage, car payments, car insurance, electricity, gas, you know, you name it. It doesn't include it. Cell phone bills, nothing. Um, it's been very difficult for us to pay tithing every single month. 
So I went and talked to the bishop. The bishop and I came up with my husband a plan to keep us temple worthy. And I really appreciated it. And I felt the mercy and love of my heavenly father and savior. I really did. And I appreciated the mercy. Then we got a new bishop a few months back. I went and spoke with him about the issue and what was going on. And this is what he said to me. He says, Stephanie, it's not my job to qualify you for your temple recommend. He says, you qualify yourself, especially with the new changes that we have in the questions for temple recommend, which is, do you strive? Do you strive to pay your tithing? Do you strive to do da, 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 da? Yes. It's constantly at the forefront of my mind. Yes. Everything I have is because of the Lord. How can I give back? Yes. Whereas without this counsel and guidance from my bishop, who is my judge in Israel, I would have continued to say, I'm not worthy. I should not be attending the temple. I cannot do this work. I can't benefit from the blessings of being inside the temple. And it just taught me the grandest lesson of all. We're always going to be our greatest critics. We're never going to... Um, it's always going to be really hard for us to believe that we are okay. That we are enough. And yet that's the great message and the good news of the gospel is that we are enough. We know that when we repent and that we do our best to live the gospel and we strive to do what's right, we're enough and we need to keep it this simple. And that goes for every single person. Going back to Elder Holland's story, he says, you serve yourself poorly when you identify yourself primarily primarily by your sexual feelings. That isn't your only characteristic, so don't give it disproportionate attention. You are first and foremost a son of God, and he loves you. And what's more, I love you. My brethren among the general authorities love you. I'm reminded of a comment President Boyd K. Packer made in speaking to those with same-gender attraction. He says, we do not reject you. We cannot reject you, for you are the sons and daughters of God. We will not reject you because we love you. God loves his children, and so should we. Did you ever think that maybe the offenses, if you really look around the world nowadays and uh, how easy it is for people to be offended, okay? In the world, it seems it's so easy for people to be offended, yet the gospel of Jesus Christ teaches us not to be offended, to choose not to be offended, um, it's not a coincidence that it's so easy for us to be offended because that leads to anger. That leads to contention. Who wants this? Whose plan is that? It's not Heavenly Father's plan. It's not Christ's plan. That sounds like the adversary to me. The adversary loves it when we are in conflict and turmoil and we're butting heads and we're going against each other and he's so divisive. That's who wants us to be divisive. That's who wants us to turn on, to, on each other. It's not Heavenly Father. He just doesn't, it's not in his makeup. It's not who he is. And he's been a God for a very long time. Okay. You can trust him. 
So ways that we can help people in the LGBTQ community. I felt like this was very important for us to, to cover. Um, we need to recognize the courage that brings, you know, whether it's a child, a sibling, a friend, somebody who has chosen to come and talk to you or who has chosen to reveal their trials and challenges and still show up to church and all of the wonderful functions that we can participate in. We need to remember that that person trusts us. They trust us with their feelings. They trust us with who they are. So we need to watch what we say and what we do. We need to be genuinely kind and true to the teachings of the gospel and in our interactions and relationships with them. Um, trust is a very important step in developing feelings in a relationship with somebody who has same gender attraction issues. Um, if you're a parent of someone who has this particular trial, don't assume that you are the reason for those feelings. No one, including the one struggling, should try to shoulder the blame. There's no blame here. Um, blame should not be placed on one another, including God. We must walk by faith and then help our loved ones to deal the best that they can with this particular challenge. And that's what we should be doing with everybody. Um, with any challenge. Recognize that marriage is not an all-purpose solution. You know, some uh, same gender attractions, they do run very, very deep. Uh, and trying to force a heterosexual relationship is not likely to change them. Um, Elder Holland says we're all thrilled when some who struggle with these feelings are able to marry, raise children, and achieve family happiness. But other attempts have resulted in broken hearts and broken homes. So above all, we must keep our lines of communication open. Um, open between us and the friendship, our brothers and sisters, whatever the relationship is. We must keep the lines of communication open and love this person. Um, let them know that we welcome them and that they are included. We want to, using the same analogy that Elder Holland uses in this talk, is to plant a good seed. Um, we want to fill our lives with spiritual nourishment. And when we fill our lives with spiritual nourishment, we can more easily gain control over our inclinations. And that means even gossip, judgment. Um, but it also is applied to those who struggle with same gender attraction. Uh, when you live the gospel of Jesus Christ and you read the scriptures, you're armoring yourself up every single day against this personal trial and challenge that is most likely going to be for your life. Um, so you have to do the best that you can to create a positive environment. You know, I've learned really quickly when I returned back to church that it was up to me to make it what I wanted it to be. So we need to make sure that we're creating a positive environment in our homes in which the spirit is evident. Because a positive environment includes all of the things where the spirit can dwell. Um, consistent private and public worship, prayer, fasting, scripture reading, of course, service and ministering, exposure to uplifting conversation, music, literature, and other media. 
<clears throat> when we do these things and we pay attention to this and are very proactive, you know, about the environment that we're creating in our homes, we can more easily feel the spirit. When we more easily feel the spirit, we can handle our trials and challenges a lot better, so much better. And then when we've done all we can, we have to remember that it's in the Lord's hands. Um, we cannot do everything. That is Christ's role. He is the one that came down and performed the greatest sacrifice of all and gave us the gift of the atonement, which truly is infinite. It covers everything. It is his job to manage the struggles, to be there for each of us, to carry those burdens. We can be his instruments and we can do it. But there will come a time when our abilities are stretched and we're tapped out. And so it's super important that we help our loved ones to develop their relationship with Jesus Christ. So that when they do find themselves alone, and they inevitably will in these particular situations, that they will have the ability to lay hold upon the world, the word, and be believing and to utilize the things that they're taught, the scriptures, the good word of God, to bless their lives and to continue to find the grace that can only come from heaven to continue to move forward. Just like Elder Holland, I admire and respect the faith and courage of all of those who fall under the LGBTQ umbrella, who are looking to write their lives, heart and spirit, with the teachings and doctrines of Jesus Christ is found in his church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Fight the good fight. Don't give up. It is worth it. So many sayings come to mind. Um, the main one of all is he never said it would be easy, only that it would be worth it. Every time you deny a desire that is unrighteous, he continues to build your mansion in heaven. Um, every time that you give in to a desire that's unrighteous, he is there reaching out saying, come, talk to me. Let us discuss. Seek forgiveness. And now let's strengthen you. Let's help one another. Let's be there for each other. Let's truly be that Zion, that Zion that we're taught constantly and consistently where we can truly be there for one another and reflect the characteristics of Jesus Christ from our hearts out to those who need it the most. And I'm going to end with a quote from President Jean B. Bingham of the Relief Society General Presidency. And um, this is from October 2021. She says, if you keep your mind open and your heart open, you find out lots of wonderful things about people that you might not have ever expected. When you've experienced, when you've seen, and when you've opened your heart to other people, you see that we all belong. And I believe in this too. We must stop putting uh, boxes on each other and boundaries and categorizing one another so that we can never get outside of those boundaries that we place on one another. We are here to grow and to become and to learn and to change. And we can't do that if we continue to 
uh, live under the stifling oppression of the mistakes of our past and the stifling oppression of toxic guilt. May I suggest that you put that aside and you do the things that the gospel has taught us, which is there are the basics. Focus on your Savior, Jesus Christ. Continue to reach out to him. Study and invite the Lord into your life every single day with your behavior, the things that you say, and what you do. And I promise you, you will be strengthened. You will, I'm sure, at some point have a regression or a slip up or something will happen. Please repent quickly and get right back up. Ask the Lord to help you to not live under the burden of your sins and to look forward with hope in his gospel. And then just keep pushing forward. If you ever have any questions, anything that you need to discuss, maybe just somebody to talk to, a sounding board or a shoulder to lean on, please do not ever hesitate to reach out to me. And you can do that through email at ldsrealpeoplereallives at gmail.com. That is plural, ldsrealpeoplereallives at gmail.com. You can also DM me on um, Instagram at ldsrprlpodcast. And I'm on TikTok at ldsrprlpodcast. I try to make sure I do different content on both of those forums. Um, But we're always here for you. Last week I mentioned Spiritual Crusade. We are a group of LDS members that have brought together our social media content to benefit and bless the lives of those who are looking to live the gospel life here on earth and are needing some help. Um, You can go to spiritualcrusade.com and there's plenty of ideas there for um, ponderizing, uh, talks, Uh, Also, come follow me that is very active and current. And then if you're looking for um, ideas for teaching Sunday school class as well, that is a one-stop shop for all members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, There's many of us who have gathered there. Um, Craig, who is the administrator over the site, and this was his um, little love project, has done an awesome job. So again, that's spiritualcrusade.com. We also have the app that you can download, and I believe that's app.spiritualcrusade.com. But we are here for you. This is our missionary work and effort, and that is to help the Lord bring home as many children as possible. Um, We all know that this life and trial here on earth is going to be hard, and uh, we are here to help. That's what we are here to do. And honestly, this helps me too. It's not just you guys that need the help. I need the help as well. Thank you for joining this week. As always, stay safe, stay healthy, and most importantly, stay faithful and remember to be kind. For everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Until next time, much love, much God bless, much hope to you. Aloha.